We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey guys, before we get into today's podcast, I want to tell you a little something we got going at Blue Wire. It's called Blue Wire Hustle. It's a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give every single person an opportunity to take the podcast to the next level. If you want to host your own podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the absolute perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, uh, Q&A, fireside chats with Blue Wire top podcasters, access to the community discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks and different things that will help you get your pod going. Uh, on top of that, we're also going to be pushing your show out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all the different listening platforms. It comes with hosting. The best part of this whole thing is it's only 15 bucks a month. It's the exact same rate, uh, if not cheaper, than a lot of other hosting sites that would charge for just an initial setup and a monthly fee. So if you're starting from scratch or you have an existing show and you want to grow it, Hustle is an open door to leveling up that experience. Acceptance into this program is limited, so get your application in. We do it in ways. We do it in different classes uh, on, a, on a rolling basis. So make sure you're getting your application in. Apply at bwhustle.com slash join. Check it out in the description box for this episode to find out more. That's bwhustle.com slash join. Let me know when you're in there and I will see you in the Discord once you sign up. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show. With your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 504, the last episode of 2020. We made it to the end. 2021 is right around the corner. Today's episode is brought to you by Indeed.com and BetOnline.ag. We'll tell you more about those later in the show. Scott, happy holidays. Hope your holiday was wonderful. <laughs> happy holidays, man. We were talking about this before the show started, and I want to get into it a little bit. I want to, I want to, I want to find out a little bit more about yeah, what so, pisses you off. And I think the people do too. This has nothing to do with what pisses me off it, because it's it, more, frankly, it's more me just guessing me that this is like, oh, this is probably really annoying to him. No, because uh, so if you guys don't really know what we're talking about, I. I when we got on the phone, I just said, oh, I hope your holiday was nice. And Scott was like, oh, you know, I celebrate Christmas. You can say Christmas. And and he was like, is it offensive to you that if people say Merry Christmas? Because if you don't know, I'm, I was raised Jewish. Not that I'm really a religious person or anything, 
But it was, it'd be hard to know because my last name is Rotondi. It's an Italian last, yeah. na- last name. My dad's obviously not Jewish, so I certainly had my, f- my fill of Christmas with his side of the family when I was younger. But my, my mother's maiden name is Feldman, super Jewish. Uh, and uh, so I was raised Jewish. Anyway, this has nothing to do with what I celebrate or don't celebrate and everything to do with I think I've just been beaten down by PC culture in a normal corporate environment. And like so many people around me have just said, happy holidays. Hope you have a nice holiday break instead of Christmas break that I think it's just now it's what I say without even realizing it. So that's really where this comes from. Right, but and not but you don't get offended. Not me being pissed so off. I was wondering if you actually do get offended, though, when people come up to you and just say Merry Christmas. Do you get offended? Of course not. But you do get offended if they say Happy New Year, even like two weeks after the New Year, three weeks out. I forget when your cutoff is. Everybody, we all have to abide by your cutoff. Sorry. I forget when that when that day is that that it becomes, (laughs) that you become an asshole when you say Happy New Year to you. But the... The happy holidays, happy Christmas thing, or Merry Christmas thing, that doesn't that doesn't get you. That doesn't bother you. It does not bother me. The the happy New Year thing bothers me more because usually when you're going to an office, and I guess it'll happen on on Zoom calls now, but <laughs> you'd be you'd be it'd be like January twenty third, and just you hadn't happened to see that person in the in the twenty three days after the New Year. Ah, happy New Year! It's like God damn it! It's almost February at this point. Shut the hell up. But Merry Christmas doesn't get it. You, do you say Merry Christmas? So if someone says Merry Christmas to you, do you say, I don't celebrate Christmas? Or do you say it back to them? Assuming they are no, I, they are, I, I, I are would one never, that celebrates Christmas. Is this <laughs> or do you a, just like snark at them? Is this a fictitious stranger that's coming yeah, up? Yeah, just a, it's a person. I mean, not like we talk to, or talk to people or see anybody or acknowledge other people in the world today. That doesn't happen. No. But if you did, uh, in, a, in a world where that did happen, what would be your reaction? I would just say Merry Christmas and I would smile. Oh, so you would say if it back. I, Because if I were to engage them in any way, I would rather blow my brains out than engage them in a conversation about, oh, you know, I actually don't celebrate Christmas. I was raised Jewish, so I celebrate Oh, so the, the, the whole talking to them beyond... Talking is the worst. Talking to strangers is, is the worst thing in the world. <laughs> so the reciprocal Merry Christmas is way better than... Uh, tr- than the remote possibility of engaging in a longer conversation. I do everything in my power to not engage with people. Yes. Wow. Okay. That I don't have to. Like if I'm at the grocery store. The, head the, down. The, what if you see someone you fringe head down? down? Head down? Or do you uh, go to the next fringe, aisle? No, no. I, I'll, I'll smile. I'll give them a wave. I'll say hi. But but I would never I would never stop and engage in conversation. You know that's where Leanne and I really differ because she could talk to someone she she could have a long lost friend from college that she she went to one party with in two thousand eight, <laughs> and she'll have a forty five minute conversation with them. Oh my god! Whereas I, if I see I am, someone I'm, from I'm college, I'm picturing you right now in the grocery store, back when things are normal again, with her just seeing, especially when you go back to Bergen County. Oh my god, this is going to happen to you all the time. This is going to be amazing. And, uh, and the thing about about my wife is that she's a very likable person, <laughs> and maybe I'm not as likable. But uh, so everyone and everyone who she's ever come in contact with, they 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 have good positive thoughts about her, so they want to engage in conversation, which is a great quality to have. Just but not just with you as the sidekick. Like, when is this conversation going to be over? <laughs> I just want to leave. <laughs> oh, that's great, awesome. No, so my Christmas was uh, was terrific. I had my my mother came down. She. Um, she lives in Delaware now, Bethany Beach, and she quarantined for, you know, the 14 days 
she lives by herself and uh, and then visited uh, and, and came to see us. So she, we were able to, we've been obviously very, a lot more careful probably than, than most people with Kemp. But uh, so she was able to, um, to, to get that in and, and we were able to spend a week with her. She actually just left. So it was awesome. It was a lot of fun. It was, uh, you know, you, you realize how much you miss family when you don't see them for as long as you do. And then it becomes a week and you're like, okay, all right, it's time. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah, that's great. I'm sure a lot of people did. We didn't get to do it with the extended family on my, on Leanne's side that normally comes over for Christmas Eve and then goes, we go, we usually go somewhere on Christmas day that didn't get, that was not able to happen this year, which is totally understandable. So it was just direct family. But yeah, this is going to be a weird, weird year. I've, we were talking how next year people are going to just blow it out and they're going to they're going to do everything and, and anything they weren't able to do in 2020, whether that's that's vacations or go see go see family or whatever it is. Like if you have a, if you want to do something next year, you better plan it now because it's going to be competitive. But that's the problem. That's the problem whatever. is like is planning it now. It's hard for us to do it because I. I, I want to go. I haven't gone. On, I haven't gone on a like a real vacation in like I don't even know how long. Eight years, and and I'm I'm ready to go. Like we're ready to go. Let's do this. And we can't really book flights ahead of time because we don't know what's going to be going on. And you know, we, no, we, flights are certainly a different Kempton, story. I'm it talking makes it a little bit more difficult. So it's uh, it's, it's freaking frustrating. I'm ready for this shit to be over so I can plan something and get the hell out of here for a little bit. Yeah, I'm talking more about maybe 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 vacations that you could. Uh, envision happening at some point later later next year in the summer or driving driving vacation or whatever that might be yeah flights I mean people have been flying throughout this whole thing if they going to see family yeah. or, or whatever it is I, I I can't imagine getting on an airplane going through an airport right now um I've you know you've read things it's like oh well actually filtered air on airplanes is safer than XYZ going to a grocery store it's like yeah well I don't know about that I don't I don't know if I want to take that risk yeah, I don't know, man. It's a, uh, Kemp puts a wrinkle in for us, so that's why it's it's uh, it's of a course. little bit more of a complication. But we'll figure it out. We'll uh, I'll drive the Wally World if we need to get the hell out of here for a little bit. But hey, uh, DJ Lemayo has not signed yet. I was just gonna say, like, can we not just talk about the same non DJ LeMahieu updates this episode? Yeah, no, we're good. We don't need like to the talk last about five it, episodes. It hasn't, it hasn't happened, so it's yeah. It, it, when when he signs somewhere, obviously we'll react to it. But I, I I can't keep getting the same update on my phone about DJ LeMahieu non signing. Uh, yeah, non signing. Oh well, the latest the latest news on DJ LeMahieu, and you open up the article. Twenty six million dollars off now. He's asked. Well, he added a million dollars because updates. he's mad at them for not meeting his mark. So, uh, yeah, we'll we'll uh, hold off on the DJ LeMahieu talk. There, there was an, a very interesting article on Gary Sanchez that was written in ESPN. So he did an interview from his home in the Dominican with Marley Rivera, and it was a transcript of of the of the interview, question and answer type of thing. And I thought there were some pretty interesting revelations from the article. The main one being is that the Yankees did not clearly communicate to him why he was being benched in the playoffs. And you might say from a fan perspective, well, 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 John, why do you need to communicate to someone who's sucking ass that they are not good and they're not playing because of this? Wouldn't they figure that deserves? Of course he understands. I'm not playing because I was not, I'm not playing because I was playing poorly. That's obvious. But don't you think there needs to be some some heads up communication from Boone 
or whoever the coaches to Gary being like, hey, here's what we're going to do going forward. It's going to be Higgy's starting job for the remainder of the playoffs. Don't you think they would owe that to any starter, not just Gary Sanchez? Um, yeah, I think communication is important. I think you need to you do need to clearly communicate what's happening. So the fact that he's talking about it, and we should read some of these quotes because they are there and, and they're translated. So the thing about translations with you know, an interview that's in a different language, all in Spanish, it's, they, they might sound a little dry or a little off, which can actually affect the context of the way it's being said. So that's, that's one of the difficult things for me when I'm reading this. It's, it's, it's not, I mean, I can't imagine him saying exactly this, right? Like it's around it. Maybe it's a little bit, uh, a little bit more casual or whatever, but just, so take that with a, a grain of salt. It is translated. And, and I do think that, that, that does uh, affect things, but yeah, he talked about the fact that basically he's saying, you know, like that it was a surprise though. That's that's what gets me is that he he basically alludes to the fact that it was a surprise, that it wasn't expected. And well, and that's where you that's where I'm confused because Gary Sanchez has not been playing well for for a, a solid a solid chunk of time. Why is this a shock if the guy who comes in you know, on your off day, starts playing better, and then you just aren't playing well. Why is it a shock that you're not playing in the game and the other guy is? Who's playing better than you? Well, so I guess when he was benched during the regular season, they explained to him what they wanted to see before he could start again. Here's what you need to work on. Here's why we're making this move right now. So that's probably why he was a little blindsided in the playoffs when all of a sudden his name was not on the lineup card. He slowly figured out during the regular season, okay, I'm no longer Garrett Cole's catcher or or Higgy is now Garrett Cole's full-time catcher and I'm not going to be catching Garrett Cole anymore he talked about a game and I believe it was the Baltimore game you remember Cole gave up like three home runs uh to to Baltimore and and the Yankees lost the game and 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 this was this was kind of in the middle of the season when we still thought Baltimore was going to be the worst team in the league and here's Garrett Cole giving up bombs to to the Orioles and 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 Gary did not catch Cole the next his next turnout, right. and he just chalked it up to day off. And then he didn't catch him again, and he had just had a couple of off days before that. And he's like, okay, I guess I'm no longer catching Garrett Cole, but I'm still going to be ready to go for the other five days in the rotation, for the turns in the rotation. And then in the playoffs, he knew he wasn't going to be catching Garrett Cole game one of the playoffs, but he played game two in Cleveland, and he hit a home run. Remember he hit a big home run in that game? Okay, yep. So so he's like great you know I'm I'm not catching Cole which I want to do but at least I played well in in, in my in my time so I'm just going to be playing every every game not not caught by Cole then against the Rays he didn't catch Cole he did catch the game that was the disaster with Devi Garcia and, and Jay Happ and then all of a sudden he just wasn't in there for game three and he didn't know why he's like wait a minute I thought the plan was Higgy for Cole and me for the rest of the time. And then all of a sudden that changed after the game two against Tampa, which is really the pivotal game of the play of the Yankees playoff uh, playoff failures this year. You could point to that game too as the turning point. So here's the quote. This is when when Marley Rivera asked, uh, were you not given an explanation? And his answer, when the playoffs came around, when they benched me the first time, I understood that I was no longer catching the pitcher who was going to pitch that day. Garrett Cole, which started during the regular season. I used to say to myself, I'm not going to play in that particular game, but after today, I'm going to play. That's how things started off, and I understood. 
I played the second game in Cleveland and I played well. That's the home run you're talking about. Then we, uh, we went to San Diego to the bubble. I didn't play in the first game because I was, wasn't catching Cole. After almost a week without playing, I, it didn't go well for me in the second game. Actually, none of us played well in that game. After that, I thought I was going to play the next day because it had been a very get, bad game for everybody. I struck out three times, but I felt like I was taking good cuts, good swings. I felt so much better, but I didn't play. And I said to myself, what's happening here? What's going on? What is, what is this world? But my job is to support my team. Uh, but from then on, nobody told me anything. They just told me, stay ready. I didn't know what, I didn't know why I wasn't playing. If it was my defense or if it was because I wasn't hitting. I didn't know if it was my bad defense or my bad hitting. Yes. That, <laughs> that, was, uh, that was what I was thinking about. So that's where you start forcing things and more than you should. And that's when you make mistakes. I would have liked someone to tell me this is what's happening. This is this and that. And one has to understand and accept that as a man. Okay. I understand where he's coming from. I understand where he's coming from with the lack of communication. These things should be clearly communicated, especially before a day while you're not. It should not be ignored. Like you just don't look at him. And he won't think he's playing. Yeah. And he won't talk to me. It's like you in the grocery store. <laughs> if you don't make eye contact, then he's it's not really Andrew there. in the grocery store when he sees uh, a kid from high school that he like fringe liked. So Aaron Boone's giving him the side eye. Like, is he still looking at me? Is he still looking at me? Matt Blake, you know, is through his hood <laughs> trying to like secretly look at Gary Sanchez to see if he's looking. But no, where's your boy Tanner? Wasn't Tanner's got a wasn't com- gotta clearly communicating? Obviously, to to this, this wasn't this wasn't happening. That being said. If he's trying to figure out why he's not playing, is it my bad defense? Is it my bad offense? Why am I not playing? I don't understand. <laughs> well, like why? This shouldn't be it. Like the way he, he, it's almost like he's an innocent kid. Like, <clears throat> like why? Why am I? But not you could playing? say that about you could say that about anybody though. Every, the, the whole team was playing. Yeah, bad. not to mention so he threw the, the rest of the team under the bus about playing not not playing well. And so, oh, they're, they're not playing <laughs> well. Really throw, they're not playing not really well. So them I under the bus. should be starting because everybody didn't play well. They. They jumped off the bridge. I jumped too. You know, like, what are we doing here? I, look, I, at the end of the day, I'm making light of this a little <laughs> bit because it's, it is it is to me kind of a joke to for him to not understand why he's not playing. But but that being said... He understood. That's not what he's saying. He understood why he wasn't playing. He didn't understand why they didn't communicate well, no, he was confused he if was it was his playing. offense, his bad offense or his bad defense. He didn't know. I think he's just... You know how you say he, he did know, but... You still need to hear it from the manager. That that's just a common courtesy you give to a starting player like Sanchez. Yes, you don't need to necessarily give that to a backup fourth outfielder or a backup infielder. If Tyler Wade isn't playing, he doesn't need communication from Aaron Boone to know why he's not playing. No, because he's expecting not to play get, until he's t- given the nod. He, he prepares like he's playing and then just doesn't until he gets. But if all of a sudden Gary's not behind the plate when he has been for the majority of the past four seasons. Yeah. He deserves an answer. I agree. I do agree. I agree with that. I think that there should be. And ironically enough, the reason why Aaron Boone was brought in was for the communication, for, for right. to be a good communicator, to, to be able to coddle this relationship with specifically you know told him? Gary Sanchez. Girardi would look you know at him in the told eyes. Him like a man? Girardi would look yep. him in the eyes and be like, Gary, you're not playing well. You're not living up to this, that, this, and that. Because that's what he wants. This, that, that, and this. <laughs> Here's a Sit list. your ass and think about what you've done. <laughs> and and at least he would tell him he would. So I, I I think the article is very interesting, and it it also goes on to talk about his new catching stance, which you talked to Tanner Swanson about, and how Gary felt like he was 
doing the things they were asking him to do, framing pitches better low in the zone, but it actually took away from some of the other things of his game, framing pitches elsewhere in the zone, blocking balls, throwing the ball. He said, basically, there's a very long quote here. I suggest you read it. I'm not going to read it verbatim, but the gist of the quote is what we had talked about. He's saying, stop, basically stop tinkering with me every, every two seconds. I, I, he said, I felt like I was returning to my form in 2019. And then I get this new instruction to do a new stance for 2020. I did what you asked. And then that wasn't good enough. Do this, Gary, do this, Gary, try this, Gary. He said for 2021, I need to get back to being myself. And that's how I will be productive behind the plate. <clears throat> and I don't disagree with him. I don't disagree with him either. I, I think at this point, and what's interesting to the comments that he said and to the things that I spoke with Tanner about at the end of the conversation when Tanner mentioned to me, if if a guy is not is not uh, you know do, receiving well, if he's not adapting well to the one knee down, at the end of the day, that's not the most important thing. The most important thing is for them to be in a comfortable position, but be able to use that position in more situations. So the premise, the the whole reason why he did that. Uh, the one knee down, like the the thought process behind it, the philosophy behind it is to keep a catcher in one position rather than changing positions, depending on if there's a runner on, depending on what the uh, the count is, depending on what pitch is about to be thrown, but to have them comfortable in one position so that they can be, you know, more nimble depending on the situation and, and be able to react in all different ways. And the one knee down approach was the way that they attacked that because it was the most flexible position at that point to be able to go to all the positions, to, to be able to handle all of the scenarios. So Gary's even like, that's some of the things that he's talking about. He said that this offseason, I have to focus on trying to recover that form from last year and be able to mix everything that I improved upon by adding my, by adding my lower knee. I have to combine that with a return to my 2019 form. In 2019, I lowered the number of pass balls and I improved a lot. This year I was experimenting not only with one knee, but we did many things. I worked very hard. It was a big change. I never caught with one knee down. I never threw to second base with with a right knee down, but I will keep working on the organiza- with the organization to identify what worked and what didn't so I could figure out the best version of myself behind the plate. And and if that's Gary in a in a in a squat position at all times, then that according to what Tanner believes in, that's okay. That's what Higgy does. Yeah. Higgy's in a deep squat. Higgy's in a deep squat, does not go to the one knee, but he stays there. And he stays there for the different, um, throughout the different scenarios. And he's comfortable throwing. He's comfortable doing all the different things. He's com- comfortable breaking down there. Um, and that's where ultimately they want to get Gary. So if Gary's working with them to do this, he can't be adding the different things though. It's like, you got to go to one and like stick with it. Yeah. And also you got to, he's got to be, he can't be productive at the plate. I don't think if he's completely uncomfortable on defense, because on defense is probably the, it's, it's the main reason why he didn't catch Garrett Cole. And that was sort of a snowball effect to why he ended up getting benched for Higgy full time. For sure. So he needs to be comfortable catching behind the plate. And I think that will positively influence his offense. I totally agree because that is the one thing, and it was kind of confirmed when talking to with, with Tanner as well. Is like these these elements of struggle defensively, they roll over. They they roll over and they make him press. Even Gary admitted that in the last quote, uh, the first quote that we read. You press too much. You start doing different mm-hmm. things, and that's when you make mistakes. That's when you. So he's admitting to the fact that he was pressing and and trying too hard and trying to do different things so that he could make up for 
you know, the the inability to either, you know, play defense or or the other side play. He's trying to do different things on the defensive side to make up for what he's doing offensively. Not good. So I think I think it's 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 uh, a main takeaway from this article, because Gary also said he took he talked to Aaron Boone after the season and they're cool. They, they kind of made up on on the situation and and they should have clear communication going forward. But my takeaway from this article is that if we needed any more proof that 2021 was the final shot for the for Gary Sanchez with the Yankees, I think this article kind of confirms it. I think this relationship is becoming strained. And unless Gary Sanchez becomes the full-time catcher once again, succeeding both offensively and defensively, I don't see how this relationship can last. If it's this if it's this constant back and forth, he's not being communicated why he's not catching. He's not catching Garrett Cole, who the Yankees just sunk 9 years and whatever 300 I don't even remember how much the contract was. $360 million or something like that. Shit ton of money. So one of the things that 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 um really stuck out to me throughout this interview that I think is a problem. I really do. I think it's a problem. Is is the fact that Gary Sanchez is is talking about, you know, not wanting to to cause ruffle any feathers, not wanting to 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 be the guy to speak up to find out what's happening to to you know go or, and, and actually take some initiative and like find out what's going on here that the cat the 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 guy behind the plate needs to be the field general he needs to be able to the one he he's giving signs to sometimes the outfielders depending on a situation he's controlling the entire game if you're not going to be this this guy is going to take a, you know take control of the situation be a leader on the field and you're just going to be like let things happen in this passive I think that's a problem. I think that's a personality issue with the way that the catcher is supposed to be. The catcher is supposed to be one of the leaders on the field. When you're on the field, it's not so much of what you're saying, but what you're doing and how you're, you know, you're you're uh, you're approaching the game and approaching different situations. And he's just he's being very passive in the way that he's talking about things that are happening. And I don't, that's well, not a great quality for a catcher, a starting catcher <laughs> who's going to uh, you know lead your team. Are you talking about the quote, nobody explained to me anything? I'm someone who does not like to cause trouble, so I just let it go. I remain calm because if Cole does, decides to choose someone, he knows what he's doing, blah, blah, blah. So you're, you're ta- this quote was specifically, at, uh, he uh, Marley was asking him about how he figured out he was no he, He's essentially saying Cole. that Garrett Cole did not say anything, like, I'm not going to do this. But Gary's just like, eh, okay, I guess he's not going to like, yeah, I guess he doesn't like me. I guess we're not going to catch together. But but you're the starting catcher of the New York Yankees. That's your job. Like, go, shouldn't you identify well, what that, what's happening right now? And, and, so, and like, have, have a, a conversation about this because it's, it's passively happening. Like you're, you're yes, slowly getting dripped out. The whole personal catcher thing was passive. They didn't even label it a personal catcher because the Yankees don't like to label personal catchers. Aaron Boone has said that. I meant to. If that's talk your job, though, aren't you few- aren't you going to like stand up and be like, "Yo, whoa, 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 whoa!" Like this is my my job. Like I I absolutely can do this. What was he? Where was he supposed to do? He was supposed to do that behind closed doors. Correct. Right? He's supposed to have a, a well, conversation. He, yeah, I I don't know the type of personality that Gary Sanchez actually is. He seems like he's a very quiet. Guy, but that's kind behind, of the, that, behind that's the part of what I'm talking about. As that's not necessarily a problem, no, but you have to be a good communicator. You should be able to stand up and say, "Hey, Aaron Boone is supposed happening? to be the good communicator. Brian Cashman is supposed to be the good." But communicator. as you're as the player on the field, if something is is happening that's slighting you, that's taking your job away, you can't just let that happen. As let a professional, the- as a as somebody who takes pride in what they do, you can't just okay accept 
that you're getting demoted and not have an explanation well, and be like okay with it. He, he probably felt defeated because he, well, that's he not wasn't good. performing that's not well. A good, he wasn't that's not a good Of quality. course that's not good. He wasn't performing well at the plate. He wasn't performing well catching. So he's like, well, what, what leg do I have to stand on? I can't barge into the manager's office and say, this is bullshit because look, I'm hitting 295 with 15 home runs. No, he's hitting 140. No, what you do is so you don't barge what leg into anybody's does he have to office because that would be out of touch. But what you do do is you go up to your ace pitcher, the guy that they just paid a ton of money, and you go to him as the oh, starting yeah. catcher, as the starting catcher of the New York Yankees and say, hey, I, I, I understand that we are not on the same page. What can we do to get on this? What do you need from me to get on the same page? What do we need to do to make this right? Let's do it. I'm here, ready to go. Let's make this work. Let's let's be the best tandem that we can be so that we're having success on the field. That's what you do. That's what a leader does. That's what a leader does to take control of a situation. Gary Sanchez has been in this organization's, organization since 1987. He should be owning these pinstripes. They are his pinstripes first. You're the catcher. You're the starting catcher. That is a leadership position. Take it by the balls. Don't just let someone come in and take your job. That's a problem for me. It's a problem as a player. Back in 2018, when Aaron Boone, his opening press conference with the Yankees, when he took the job, they asked about personal catchers because there was already some talks about Gary Sanchez not working well with certain pitchers. I believe it was uh, Sonny Gray. I think it was Sonny Gray. And um, because at the end of 2017, when Sonny Gray, I I don't think he he threw that well to Gary Sanchez. And and because Aaron Boone's dad was a a backup catcher, and I believe he was a personal catcher for somebody. And, And Aaron Boone talked about how he didn't like the idea of personal catchers. He doesn't like that philosophy on a team. And they asked him, well, what if it works? And then they said, oh, it worked with your dad. So why why don't you believe in it? And then his quote was, my dad didn't hit like Gary does. So the, the whole point of it was, we will put up with some things negatively, maybe a pitcher to catcher relationship because Gary Sanchez is there and he's mashing. Well, what happens then when Gary Sanchez is no longer mashing, like we saw in 2019? Then you can no longer put up with your defensive Gary deficiencies. That at that 40% point are more, strikeout are more obvious. They're more pressing. They're you become less valuable on but one side of the ball. They still didn't like the label of personal catchers because it was obvious that Higgy was now Garrett Cole's personal catcher. Boone Cashman. Everyone was asked about it repeatedly in press conferences this year, and they refused. I don't understand to your point. The Who words. cares what it's called? It doesn't matter. The, 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 because this gets back to the point of communication. They haven't even told Gary Sanchez you are no longer catching Garrett Cole. It's just sort of a thing that oh, guess what? You just happened to not be on the lineup again today. So it's so there's no con- maybe they're they waiting for Gary to start Gary hitting Sanchez. so that they can start acclimating him back in there for him to become maybe a, a, a guy. So that then they don't tell want. him that. Tell him that. Say. We're going with Cole. We're going with Higgy catching Cole because they work wet well together. And since you're not performing at the plate, we're not really losing anything. So you just need to get back to being you offensively, and then you'll start to get the the responsibilities back. Have a clear cut communication there. I understand that Gary Sanchez ultimately the blame falls to him because he didn't perform. But I I think the Yankees have mishandled Gary Sanchez time after time over the past few years. And this is just another example of them mishandling him. 
Look, that's fair. The fair uh, talking about the communication, but at the end of the day, the player is is the one who can stand up and say, "Hey, why are you not communicating to me?" The player is the one that's being affected. Gary Sanchez is the one that's being affected. These things are are happening because of either he did it after the season. That's that's too late. That's too late. Like probably as the catcher late, but- again, I will keep going. This do you not see that as a problem as a catcher being the starting catcher, which is a leadership position, whether you want it to be. Yeah, I see. I definitely see that as a problem. And I think Gary Sanchez, unfortunately, is a guy that is his best self. He he probably goes into a shell when he's not performing well. That's not good. But then he comes out of it. That's not good. I agree. But he comes out of his shell when he is performing well. And he becomes a team leader when he is. When things are going well for him. Then he can, yeah. You're shaking yeah, because that's head. not I what totally leaders. Agree. That's not what leaders do. Leaders I, lead when I they're agree. when they're on the field. Period. Whether they're up or down, there's they 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 keep that 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 calm, that cadence. That's you know that remains very steady. And he's just not doing that. And that's a problem. He's not. Hey guys, 2020 has already reshaped how we work and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be more efficient, which means every single hire is critical and Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the right person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other job sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only got to pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. And now Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that you can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates you will see and fast. Try Indeed without free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer is valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. The NBA is back in action and football is heading into the playoffs. You might not be at the game this year, but you could still be in the action at Bet Online. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads to totals to team, player, coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. I think twenty twenty one is is a make or break is the make or break year for for Sanchez, and I'm 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 not hopeful that it's going to work out because I just think there's too many problems over the past couple of years with Gary Sanchez that I I just think there's too much to overcome. With I, him. I don't think I don't think anything in the past has has much to do with what happens this year, and I think that Gary Sanchez can absolutely. You know, if he starts playing well, he starts getting that confidence back. And I, again, I've said this a hundred times. Like, I this dude needs a a, a sports therapy. He needs a sports coach, like a mental coach. To, to right. What if it's forty games into the season and he's hitting under two hundred? It's like they're not going to stick with him. No, they're not. So they're, that, they're that's not. it. He's got to get off to a hot start. And, and and it's just well, plenty of players don't get off to a hot start. A forty game slump isn't the end of the world in a, for a normal player, but for Gary Sanchez, it could end his Yankees career. It, it very well could. It very well could. At the end of the day, it's just it's hard for me to wrap my head around a player who is a starting, who's the starter on a team, 
entrenched starter, like no doubt clear cut starter who is then slowly getting his job taken away from him. And he just sits there and lets it happen. I don't understand that. You're a professional athlete. How can you possibly let that happen? Not, not, the, not that you let it happen, but how could you just sit there and allow uh, things to happen without some kind of an explanation? Well, yeah, you, you got to hope he uses this as a learning experience. That's why I said I'm not super hopeful. I'm not super hopeful that this relationship is going to work out in the end. We'll see. His talent's there. There's no doubt. Oh, fuck. <laughs> 31. 40. You can leave the ah oh, fuck in if you want, Don. <laughs> we'll talk about the uh, Padre stuff and then the CC. Well, the best thing to happen to the Yankees so far this offseason is the Padres deciding that they no longer want to be competitive in the AL East, letting Charlie Martin walk and then trading away. Do you mean Blake the Rays, not the Padres? Prospects. Yeah, sorry. The, the, the Rays trading away to the Padres, yeah. Blake Snell. Uh, there were rumors at the at the very beginning of the offseason that they were going to shop Blake Snell. I didn't know if they would actually, I didn't think they would actually trade him because I didn't see how an organization that was just in the World Series trades away their best starting pitcher. <laughs> but they did it. Okay. So I am, I'm a little, I'm a little scared of these moves, to be honest, if I'm, if I'm being completely frank here. I think this is going to be a problem because. Blake Snell was not really a big problem for in the New York Yankees. Three years. It's going to be a problem maybe in yeah, two or might, three might years. It might be a bigger for... problem before, you know, these, they, they have a couple, they got a couple prospects that are going to be getting up here pretty quick. They got a top pitching prospect, Luis Patino. Patin- he's, yeah. uh, he's a 21, six foot right-hander, sits at 97 miles an hour. He looks like Debbie Garcia, he's got a, like makeup wise. A devastating slider. But then they got a, a pitching prospect who is much lower on the boards and two catching prospects. Uh, this this was not the um, like getting Austin Meadows and Tyler Glass now for, for Chris Archer. This is not that kind of trade. No, but we could look at it differently in a year or two, depending on how these guys do. And the way that the Rays... If Patino turns into a top five pitcher in baseball, then we're like, well, shit. Right. But Yeah, and and the Rays have proved that they can do that. And they also have proved that they they get a lot, uh, you know, from guys that some teams just won't get. So I, I have zero confidence to say that these guys will not be effective. I, I do think they will be effective and probably longer than Blake Snell would be. So yeah, I think that they can. But what about 2021? I think that they can. The Rays were going it. to be a problem. It hurts their chances to win the division in 2021. Oh sure, it hurts them. And especially when you get okay. rid of Morton and you get rid of Snell, like that's, that's a, that's a bit, you need glass now to very much, you very much need him to stay healthy now. But there's a strength, their strength was their pitching. And yes, they have a very deep pitching staff and they bullpen their way through the playoffs and everything. But those, they kind of were anchored by three good starting pitchers. And now they only have one. Now they have some younger kids who are probably going to come up. Maybe Patino starts in the major leagues. Who the hell knows? But not having Snell there, I think, is a big issue. Even if you say, oh, the Yankees always hit Snell and he was never a major issue for the Yankees. Snell was a great pitcher who won them a lot of games. There's no doubt. I just, I have a feeling, it, it seems to me that the Rays are confident in what's coming up. They're confident in maybe moving a guy from the bullpen into a starting rotation. Could see that. And, and yeah, Yar, Yarborough and um, who was the other guy that pitched like every, yeah. every five minutes for them in the playoffs? Well, I, I just think that there's, there's a, a number of these guys. Anderson. That, yeah, that they believe 
can probably make that transition. And they already have that in their minds. So I have a feeling that the Rays don't think that they're, they're playing chess. Yeah, the Rays don't think that they're checkers, losing that's that what much. You're worried I don't about. think that, I think the Rays of any team believe that they can withstand any loss, any loss and be very competitive again. And I don't, and I, I don't think they're wrong. I think they can. Oh. I think they absolutely can. So does this change to me? Like what the Rays are at the end of the day? Not really. It doesn't. Uh, yeah, it has. I mean, look, yes, Blake Snell is a very good pitcher. There's no doubt. He was a Cy Young two years ago. Pitched his ass off in the playoffs. I think there, there was a little bit of like, hey, I'm not happy. Do you think there's anything to do with the World I Series? I think there was My definitely some pushback theory from him. Is that he he made waves after being he probably pulled. did. And they were like, oh, you're not on board with our analytics first approach. Ship your ass yeah, out. You're here. replaceable we because you. we got nerds who who can make yes, you out of they think. Else. Yes, exactly. They they don't look at names. They just look at statistics and they'll find someone else to fill those statistics. Right. And so I would not be surprised. And his salary was affordable to another team. Like the the Padres, they're getting a top flight pitcher for a very affordable salary over the next three years. Yeah. I would not be surprised if uh, if they have somebody come up and, and does well or they go back to what they were doing and they bullpen more often because that they got away from that. They, remember, they were good without any starting pitching also. They, they have the depth to do that. Uh, and they did it throughout in the season. And with the playoffs expanding, does the starting pitcher really matter as much anymore? I'd argue no. I'd argue that having a number one guy, when you have the bullpen that with the way that they do, the way that they play their game, that top flight starting pitcher is just not as important. So throw as many arms that are uh, quality and effective as you possibly can at this team, and they will be How good. can you say that? How can you say that after watching what happened in the playoffs? With the Yankees and not having any starting pitching after one starting pitch. I am pitcher. talking about this team specifically in the way that they have the depth in their bullpen. I don't think it's as important to them. Okay. Well, maybe it's not important to they, them. Everybody but gets in the very... playoffs. They're going to make the playoffs. doesn't matter if they yeah, have they're, Snell they're, or they're... not. They could throw anybody out there. Right? They, they throw another guy. You throw a, a, a bunch of dudes out there to start games. You, you, you get through the games. You, you get into the playoffs. And then you unleash the stable. And you, and you go that way. And there'll be more off days in the playoffs normally without the bubbles. So that actually helps and guess the what? even more. Now you have an entire season to get these other, these guys, these, these prospects to a point where you're confident that they can come in and perform. So they don't need to contribute early in the season. They could contribute late in the season. They could, they could yeah, be the uh, Brian uh, Cashman, uh, you know, mid season acquisition by bringing a guy up. I totally agree with you that the Rays are not going anywhere and that in two years, the, we might not even notice Blake Snell's gone. But I think for 2021 specifically, this is a, a pretty big hit to them. And this helps the Yankees out tremendously. And it takes the Rays from, I would say, uh, 50-50 to win the, the AL East next year. It's got to drop them to at least like 30%. I think the fact that they, they don't have Morton and they don't have Snell, uh, they got what Michael Waka, um, they they're adding some. They've added didn't they uh, sign uh, what's his face, Jersey boy Seton Hall prep um, from who won a Cy Young. I, I can't think of his name right now. <laughs> Pretty boy who uh, won a Cy Young with the uh, Red Sox, who's not good for, for like a five ERA career probably. Porcello, yeah, Porcello. Thank you. Um, they got him too, right? So I think they added Pretty him. Boy, Jersey boy. He's a Jersey yeah, guy. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he went to Seton Hall prep. They, uh, they, 
I just I I feel like they pull they pull shit out of out of out of a hat and they're and they're good. Like they'll get innings from from these guys. They'll figure out like Michael Walker is going to come and return to form and all of a sudden be Michael Walker from like early St. Louis days. It's going to piss me off and probably going to happen though. Yeah, and and, and the Padres certainly are going. They're for like, you know what? We need move. more right-handed right-handed arms. We don't need this lefty. Doesn't serve our purpose in the American League East. Let's get rid of him. The uh, the Padres. I mean, not that the Yankees really are going to be. See, I don't know if they do. They see the Padres next year. I don't know their interleague schedule, but um, they got you Darvish as well. At least that trade is is in the works uh, as of Tuesday morning, and they signed a Korean infielder, Ha Sung Kim. Uh, when I saw, <laughs> did I, say I it have right? no idea. But it's just funny watching you try to say it. Ha Sung Kim. Um, so the Padres, man, they're they they. They're riding that wave of 2020. They, they're gonna. They're really going for it. <laughs> Their rotation because they also got um, uh, what's his name? Paddock. When they uh, no Clevenger's uh, hurt. Paddock, but Clevenger, but he's he did he have? T- yeah, Tommy? he's out. Tommy John. Hmm. They have they have arms. They 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 had a, 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 a another young kid Davies who they did trade to um, Chicago along with a, a bunch of prospects. I think we're. I don't think any of them topped number 11 in their organization for you Darvish. That that deal is done. It's 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 pretty wild that they're def- they're they're definitely going for it. There's no doubt about it. They're they're going for it. The crazy thing about being a a Padres fan is and you know, once you expand the playoffs it's different. Once you get into the playoffs, understandable, it's different. But you're almost like understanding that you're not going to not going to win the division, right? Like you're doing all of these things, you're you're make you're making these trades, you're but you're still not better than the Dodgers. But what does it matter? That's the thing. Like it doesn't. But it's it's a new mindset, right? Like you don't have to win the division. You don't even have to really necessarily compete for the division. Uh, it's not as important. It's not it's not part of the strategy. You just got to get into the playoffs. You just got to, especially now because the first is a wild card three game series. Even if you win the division, and that's a crapshoot anyway. Yeah, you'll be playing that at home instead of on the road. But if you're the Padres, you can go in there with three stud pitchers into a wild card series. Who cares if you're not the division winner? Right. It, it, that's that's how baseball is trending. So that's how the the Padres are going to build their team. Yeah, and it's uh, look they they have a good team. They have a damn good team. They have some they have some studs. Machado now is uh, looking like a genius for going over there. They obviously told him, hey, we're going to spend a ton of money. We got this uh, this kid who's going to be you know one of the best baseball players in the league with Tatis Jr. And they're they're exciting. You know, uh, Slam Diego. They got they got a they got a good thing going out there. So. Um, you know, we'll see if they can get past the Dodgers in the uh, in the in the National League, but it's a it's a lot. They're definitely throwing at it and they're going for it for sure. All right, you want to finish up with the CC documentary Under the Grapefruit Tree, the CC Sabathia story. It was on HBO. It aired about a week ago. We said we were going to watch it. I watched it last night, and you know, I got I got to admit, I didn't think it was going to be good, and not because I I just didn't think there was enough juice there with CC. Um, and, and maybe just uh, only Yankees fans would find this really interesting, but I think his story, even if you were not a Yankees fan, uh, was very interesting and I don't, I didn't know it went that deep. So that's why I found the documentary better than I was expecting it to be. I I definitely think anybody, any sports fan 
uh, watches this and and is uh, a bigger CC fan at the end is definitely intrigued by the story. I don't think him being on the Yankees really has anything to do with the the sports fan watching this because it, this was a human story. This, this story was about a person who was yeah. struggling and had to overcome obstacles from from you know from childhood and and did and and got to the ultimate prize, got to the ultimate pinnacle of her career. You know, won the ultimate prize uh, in a World Series got the, uh, you know, he basically hit every single accolade you could possibly imagine. And along the way, he found some really, really dark places. We, I, I, so I didn't know what to expect going into this. I'll I'll say what I, what I'll, I'll say what I was expecting. It didn't happen. I was definitely expecting, we talked about this before when we heard it was coming out. I was expecting more behind the scenes footage of, of the year. Mm -hmm. I I thought there was, I was too. I thought there was going to be more of like a, a a crew with him in that final year. And just like, you know, seeing more moments behind the scenes with him and players, him and like doing different on the road. Like I thought it was going to be more of a a story of, of, of the year, but also told with the, the context and the backstory of everything that happened to him and, and, you know, why it was such a special year knowing that it was his last year. So it was unexpected to me. It seemed like it was filmed in like two days, three days, you know, like a short amount of time. They were, they, they went and interviewed everybody after their recently. It seems like it happened very recently because he was jacked at that, that last scene yeah. of him walking with, uh, with his family. So they definitely recorded they this probably, recently. It seemed like they filmed it that part over the summer because it looked nice and warm out. Cause they could have recorded the entire thing. That's what, that's what I'm saying. Like those interviews could have been all post. There was nothing. It didn't seem yeah. recorded during it. And that's remember what we were talking about. I'm like, oh, the Yankees probably don't yeah. want this. Well, they didn't let the cameras in, clearly. Like well, did, there were a few things probably because recorded. there were cameras because the cameras were there when he got his three thousand strikeout. There were cameras there when it was CC Sabathia Day. There were cameras there at old timers. I don't know day. if those were her so there his, were. the HBO cameras though. They could have just acquired footage from cameras that were there. No, no, no. I mean the three thousand was definitely HBO cameras because they literally had footage of him like hugging his cousins and stuff. Like why would just a random camera be there? Because it was a big deal. Like, in MLB the could have caught that. It doesn't matter whether they they decided to do it after the season or not. I, it, it doesn't matter. I, I just thought there was going to be more behind the scenes. Um, so that was a difference in what I expected. I thought it was really, really good to hear a story. You know, I think we knew a lot of the story. I knew a lot of the story. Uh, the the whole Baltimore. I kind of forgot some of the stuff about the, the Baltimore weekend. The two thousand. Yeah. So it came back to me, but he ha- went on a forty eight hour bender yeah. in the end of two thousand fifteen. Was so blackout drunk in Baltimore, like basically lost track of a weekend, and then was too drunk to throw a bullpen session, and that was when he kind of realize okay i have i'm i cannot control this problem anymore he talked to Dellen batansis and chris young about checking himself into rehab and they were like you have to do it you got to make it public so you're accountable and he wasn't even really couldn't you tell he like wasn't even really convinced because like he got drunk on the way home from baltimore well i mean that it's and, that's uh, a pretty pretty big pretty big tell right there that you got a major problem yeah, like he he knew he was going to check himself into rehab, but he's like, well, got to get fucked up one last time. That's exactly like what he yeah. said. And it, it kind of hit him in in rehab when he was like the first night I was there, the Yankees were playing the Astros on the wild card game in 2015. I couldn't even be there with my teammates. And then he wrote that that was the most emotional part was when he was talking about the letter to uh, 
it was supposed to be from his son to himself, but it was really from him to his dad, who also dealt with drug problems um, and, and substance abuse problems. So him figuring, him understanding why he had these problems was the real reason on how he was able to overcome the problems. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, that's a, that's a rock bottom moment. I guess anybody has to have, um, you know, to, to, really understand it. But I, usually when you can get to that point, that's when you can at least start the the process of coming back from something. Um, not that I speak from experience because I don't, and I don't want to act like I, I do. But the, um, yeah, I, look, I thought it was good. Uh, you have a note in here, though I like CC narrating. Uh, it's funny you're, you're mentioning that. I don't know because I guarantee you're thinking the same thing. No, it's he's not good. He's not great at no. narrating. He, he reads a lot. He wasn't. That's, we, I feel like I've, I've heard him narrate things in the past and he's just, he's not great at doing that. But you know, this was his story, so he had to tell it. And but he was so good just talking naturally to the camera. Right, you can tell when he's reading in the interview. Yeah. So I'm like, why not just use that? Don't even use the narration, which they kind of got away from. Which I was like, if he narrates this whole thing, this is not going to be a good do- documentary. Right. But he he kind of stopped. A, his narration uh, stopped as it went on, and it became much better, much more natural. Well, I, that's where I think they could have made it different. They could have had him narrating it, but they they should have they should have recorded that in a more conversational tone, in a more conversational setting, and like identify that that's not a strength. Either way, I don't think it took away from. I don't, and I, dare, I doubt many people even noticed it, unless you hear CC talk a lot and you know just just the way he is. But yeah, when he's talking, it's like when the when the mic cuts off. And CC's just, uh, you know, being CC. Like, that's when it goes. That's when he's like, you know, that's when he really cuts that personality loose. Um, so, look, I thought it was really good. I, I It was, uh, it was, do you think Derek Jeter had a hand in him doing this? The HBO doc is mm-hmm. Jeter's the only other one who's done it in the. Oh, he did the 3000 hit HBO doc. I forgot. He did one. That. Yeah. And uh, uh, what's her face was in it. That's why we all thought that he, they were going to get married. Uh, Minka Kelly. Yeah. No, I don't think Jeter had anything. I think Sabathia has been setting himself up for a post-career. Media. I think Jeter. Um, I think they. I think that CC probably talked to Jeter about it about the process. They're they're good friends. Uh, okay. It makes too much sense. But like, fine. Okay, right, thank you. That's all I wanted. But uh, <laughs> it was it was good hearing him talk about the. You you just you get the competitiveness of him like when he's telling it you understand I think he he exudes and and uh, it's very easy as a fan to pick up the way that he plays the game it's very clear he wears his emotion on his sleeve when he's on the field and but hearing him talk about uh, the Milwaukee days and the trade and that he you know saw it as an opportunity and left everything out there hearing him talk about it and kind of affirm what we what we all thought and knew um, and I know he's talked about it in different places, probably on his podcast in different spots too. It's just cool to hear him say it because he's, he's such a workman in that respect that that's what gains the respect of the fans is that that dude just goes out there and leaves it on the field every single time. And I think that's why he's such a, a beloved player and will always be a beloved player in the Yankees organization. He started to struggle on the mound in 13, 14, 15. And it, now it's pretty clear that those struggles were drastically impacted by his drinking. Definitely. And yes, he was getting older and his body was starting to break down. But if he didn't have a drinking problem, he's has to be performing better in those years. You agree? For sure. Because then, I mean, the drinking problem not only affects what you're doing on the field on that given day, but it affects your process. It affects your preparation. It affects your your yeah. um, you know mentality and how you prepare for a start. It does all of these things. 
So yeah, absolutely. It's kind of amazing he was able to manage the drinking and pitching so well for as long as he did because he described his process where he was like, if I pitched on Monday, I would start drinking the moment I was taken out of the yep. game. He crown said he, he would have a, a crown and Sprite and he would not stop drinking for three straight nights and then he would detox himself for two nights and get ready to pitch again. And he was pitching at an all-star level while doing yeah. that. And then it got out of hand. There was um, some family troubles and his cousin died uh, before the after the 2012 season. And then in 2013, he started to uh, have um, uh, he, 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 him and his wife, Amber, who's awesome in the documentary, uh, started to go to therapy. And he was taking this pill that would make him violently ill, but he was faking it. So he, he would basically hide the pills and still drink. And 13, 14, 15, his drinking got out of control. And he sucked on the mound. And we just thought it was old age. But he was really just had a drinking problem. Yeah. I mean, so I, I kind of am like wondering where his career would be if he never had that drinking problem. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, I think it's fair to say that because clearly, if you're not preparing in a, in a way to put your body in the best position, also, that your body might fall apart more easily as well. You know, the things can happen because you're not preparing the same way you have. I, it's, I, I think it absolutely affected how his career um, tailed off at the end. There's no doubt about it. And the fact that, you know, once he, once he did get it under control, he, he realized that, Hey, you know, I am he not the same guy. I have to, you know, perfect the, perfect the craft a little bit more. I have to pick up this cutter. I have to do these different things to be effective. And the, the athlete, the competitor, uh, the guy that, you know, leaves it all on the field, figured that out. He figured that out. So I do believe that, you know, in those days that even if the diminished velocity, diminished, you know, ability to throw the way he had, he would have figured something out probably a hell of a lot sooner. Yeah. Yeah. And the best quote of the whole thing is that after he injured himself on the mound in the ALCS in 2019, which we were at that game. And that was a real, that was a low point because the Yankees are getting their asses kicked and uh, he's walking off the mound crying. He's driving to the stadium the next day. And he goes, more upset about us getting our asses kicked by these fucking assholes. Yeah. He's talking about the Astros. And this is before even all the cheating stuff came out. So uh, yeah, the, the behind the scenes stuff of him just talking naturally to the camera was was really cool. Uh, yeah, I think I think you're right in saying that uh, even if you're not a Yankees fan, it, it's an interesting story. Well, I think I think that Milwaukee fans love CC because of the way that he. I know he didn't perform well in the playoffs, but he left it all out in the field, and that was so very obvious during the time too. I mean, just from a distance watching it, mm -hmm. uh, watching that performance, you're like, I can't believe this guy's going back out there on three days rest again. Like he just going into free agency, you yeah. had to imagine his agent was screaming right, at him, stop. "Don't do this! Don't do yeah. this!" No. So you could tell, you know, I, Cleveland, I think he left there uh, as a, a, a guy who got traded. So he left all the different places really on on good terms. I, you know, Milwaukee was never a place that he was going to re-sign. It, it was definitely a, you know, a hired gun at the end of the year to, to get them um, either into the playoffs and then into, into the playoffs and get them deeper to see if they could make a run. And they did. And then, you know. Like he said, the, uh, the Yankees made him an offer on the first day of free agency. First day. Yankees went after their guy. Does that make you worried about LeMahieu? That they're, no, I think it was a different guy, time. The people they want, the people they want, they go get their man ASAP. They got their man ASAP. They, they offered Cole top contract, basically uh, outbid everyone else without not even close. Yeah, I, mean, I think there's definitely some guys that they, 
that they identify as as different. And I think when you have a top flight starting pitcher, it's a they they deem that as different different, different in a way. Then uh then uh unfortunately then a second baseman, yeah. yeah. Or third baseman or first baseman or probably could play shortstop or DH, you know, wherever you want him. He's fine. They've only done it for really recently, CC and Cole though. The 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 ace. They do it for the ace. Yeah. AJ Burnett too. He was he he came quickly and Teixeira yeah, came that, quickly too. Interesting that they lumped him and Burnett in the same press conference. I forgot they did yeah. that. I think they they I mean they definitely thought Burnett was going to be a hell of a lot better than he was. Uh so but they 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 realized how much money they were spending that year and they were going after it. So um yeah, it was good, man. Overall, I I enjoyed it for sure. Solid hour. I mean, it's an hour long, so it's not like it's gonna take up a bunch of your bunch of your time. If you have not watched it, I definitely recommend yeah. it, even though we just spoiled a ton of it. But hopefully you watched it over the last week and enjoyed it just the same. Uh, that's going to do it for this episode. Submit your mailbag questions and everything. Maybe uh, we got some good feedback on the 2010s episode. So maybe we'll do the 2000s. Um, or if you would rather see another decade, let us know. Um, but it would seem logical that we just go in chronological order backwards. Uh, anything else you want to say? We Happy New Year, early Happy oh, New Year. Oh, you can't say it early, can you? Can you say it <laughs> I early? Say, I, no, I, I was Scumbag. joking. The, uh, no, I look... Seems like free agency and the the market of trading, everything is is heating up a bit right now. So um, I would not be surprised if DJ LeMay signed in the next week. It seems like things are. You think he's going to gonna be? A, you think he'll sign? You think next episode we're talking about LeMay who signs? I really hope so, and I, <laughs> it better be with the New York Yankees too. <laughs> I mean, one way or another, if he signs, we're we're going to get on the mic and talk about it because it's going to be either a joyful day or a very a very dark day. It's going to be, if they don't sign him, it's going to be a lot of wondering what the plan is. Here's what I don't want to happen. I do not want them to not sign him and to start off the year 2021 with that being the first thing that happens. If he's going to sign somewhere else, just get it over with today or tomorrow, please. Just <laughs> December leave that 31st, shit 11.59 p.m. Yeah. But if Have you do sign, break. you know, let's do it in 21. Let's start that year off. And maybe DJ's like, you know what? I'm a little, I don't, I don't want to sign this contract in 20. I'm a little uh, superstitious in the sense, like, let's start this year off well. Maybe it's DJ doing it. I could see that. I'm not superstitious. I am a little stitious. A little stitious. Okay. It's from from the office. All right. That's it. Good joke. (laughs) (laughs) We'll talk to you guys next week. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show... We'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.